Good morning. Our Bible reading this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 4, verses 23 to 31. And chapter 4 is headed, Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. Uh, Peter and John have been out proclaiming Jesus' resurrection to all the people, and the Sanhedrin have been uh, pulling him aside, putting him in prison for a night, and just um, giving them a very hard time, but didn't know what really to do with them, so they did release them. And our chapter begins, verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great holiness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of our your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Uh, let us pray. God, we come to you as our God, as our sovereign Lord, as our loving Master, Eternal Father, full of mercy and grace, we come to you and ask that you would speak to us this morning from your word, that you would impress upon us at a deep level the importance of communicating with you, calling out to you, wrestling in prayer with you, that we would see lives changed and transformed for the glory of Jesus. Amen. Prince Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a, uh, a British preacher over 100 years ago in the uh, 1800s, in fact, and he said this, the condition of the church may be very accurately gouged by its prayer meetings. The prayer meeting is a graceometer, and from it we may judge of the amount of divine working among a people. If God be near a church, it must pray. And if he be not there, one of the first tokens of his absence will be a slothfulness or a laziness in prayer. Now, we live in a different age and we have multiple home groups where people gather, read the Bible and pray and most churches don't run a lot of individual prayer meetings. In that period of time, it was like the church and the prayer gathering, right? But the principle still applies. If God is here in this, present, in this place, if God is doing his work, then we need to be a praying people, a God-dependent people. Because, friends, there is a sense in which we can do everything we do here at Naui without God. Many large churches do that. Uh, they have great business people running their organisation. 
They grow churches as Westfield grows. They know how to manage people, have good strategies in place, have nice coffee carts and have nice programs for the children like we have this morning. You can do all those things and it, cannot be, it may not be a spiritual work. You might just do it in your own strength or in my own strength rather than God. But when you pray, you call out to God for a spiritual work in the lives of men and women. Jim Simbler was a young pastor of a very small church in Brooklyn, New York, many years ago. It was so dull and dead that he often didn't want to show up for the services. And he's the pastor, right? While away from church on an enforced holiday due to ill health, he sensed God speaking to him about the church. He says, if you and your wife will lead my people to pray and call upon my name, you will never lack for something fresh to preach. I will supply all the money that's needed, both for your church and for your family, and you'll never have a building large enough to contain the crowds I will send in response. He said, his word to me was grounded in countless promises repeated in the scriptures. It was the very thing that produced every revival of the Holy Spirit throughout history. It's what I already knew, but God was drawing me out, pulling me toward an actual experience of himself and his power. He was telling me that my hunger for him and his transforming power would be satisfied as I led my tiny congregation to call out to him in prayer. He tells that story in this book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And God has done a marvellous work through that church. Thousands converted, prostitutes, drug addicts, homosexuals, changed by the gospel. And he said prayer was key for them. Now take evangelist Billy Graham, the late evangelist, used by God to reach millions across the globe. Were they saved because he was a great preacher? I would suggest no. They were saved because behind the scene there was partnership with local churches in a crusade. Christians and local churches gathered and they prayed for their own church uh, and their friends who weren't saved. They prayed for their mothers, their fathers, their brothers, their sons and daughters, their friends, their work friends. They gathered and they prayed over months and months and months. And then by the grace of God they were able to take them along to a crusade meeting where they heard the gospel and the Holy Spirit who was now working in those people brought them to life. Prayer triplers, friendship evangelism, invitation. Billy Graham would say, it wasn't me. It was all the work that was taking place behind the scenes by God's people. I was on holiday some years ago and I visited a church in Maryville in the morning. I'd visited my father and I dropped into the local Anglican church, I think it was. And uh, then I went for a walk in the city. Then I wrestled uh, with God in prayer about what to do at night. Because even normally on my holidays, you might say I'm spiritual or crazy, I try to go to two services, in the morning and at night, to visit other churches, to, to worship God, to hear the word of God, and to learn about maybe how to do things differently or better. But I was a bit tired that day, and I wrestled with God. God, where should I go? What should I do? And I sensed so I was flat and tired. I didn't want to go anywhere. And I felt God say, just go home. So I went home. I arrived home and I found my, my car and Astra wouldn't start. So I rang up the NRMA. I spent, then spent 30 minutes explaining the gospel to a Greek-speaking NRMA road service guy. God, where do I go tonight? Which church do I go to, God? Go home. And I will send someone to you to share the gospel with. 
God has this marvellous capacity and power and wisdom to draw people into your life who need to hear the gospel. And this fellow, I remember he said to me, he said, I'm sorry to ask so many questions, but since you're a priest and knowledgeable about these things, I thought I'd ask. And I praised God and I was energised again for the work of the gospel. Friends, it's time to wrestle with God in prayer. The Bible talks about wrestling with God. Going to him, interacting with him, asking for things, pleading for things. And we will not change this earth until we touch heaven. Until we call out to God in humble, dependent prayer. Until we realize that life is war, it's a spiritual war, and we need to engage in a spiritual battle. We need to give God the glory and seek his power. Friends, God has given us prayer... Because Jesus has given us a mission. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. If we want to be a church this year that is powerful and vibrant and is increasingly contagious, drawing men and women and children to Christ, we will not do it without prayer. In reaching our community for Christ, we do need a biblical strategy. We need an ongoing training program. We need to equip our small group leaders. We need to do all those things, yes. But we need to realise it's a spiritual battle. Paul writes in Ephesians 6, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's why in verse 17 he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We pick up the word, we take it with us and we pray in the spirit on all occasions, not some, not every so often, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Friends, when he says be alert, it means be aware of the spiritual situation, that there is a Satan and there are demons working against the purposes of God. Trying to slow down the church, make the church lazy, make the church slothful, make the church self-dependent rather than God-dependent. It's a spiritual battle. Take the word praying, Right? And so as I preach on a Sunday morning or, or you teach the gospel to kids at a youth group or whatever it happens to be, take the word praying, right? Take it praying. Don't just, don't just take it, praying. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Friends, there is darkness. You know, sometimes you speak to someone about Jesus, like their eyes glaze over. They have no interest. They are blinded at this stage. The Bible describes it. Don't push too hard at that stage. Just pray, walk away, try again another time. But when the Spirit of God takes hold of their heart and of their mind, you'll see a responsiveness in them. It is God who opens up people's hearts to respond to the message. That's Acts 16. This is what happened when Paul and his friends visited. On a Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. 
One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. The Lord opened her heart. Friends, last past Wednesday, I took the funeral for Gabriel McKellar. Gabriel uh, um, was part of our church for many years, the last four years. She has been in an aged care facility in Bankstown, wasn't able to come to our services, but attended the Uniting Church there in Bankstown. But you see, she first came to this church after her daughter uh, started attending Nawi. Her daughter had been sent as an exchange student, Caroline, as an exchange student to America, and having come from a strict Catholic family, landed in a Protestant church family in America. She heard the gospel, and America got converted as a Christian and Missionary Alliance church in the United States. She came back, and I was here for her, her marriage to her husband, Kirk, and they've been here for many years. But then her mother stuck, gave us, turned up to just check us out. Yes, her daughter involved in some cult, right? Because you have to understand, back in the old days, like the Catholics and Protestants divide, like, it was terrible, <laughs> And some of you have come from countries where, you know, it was even more terrible. And so the thought of their daughter in a Protestant church, like, threw her so she would come and visit and sit up the back and listen in to see what was happening. And slowly God opened up to her heart to understand the gospel. And her daughter was praying for her. I was praying for her. Many of us were praying for her. Then she did Christianity Explained with one of our couples here. And then someone else discipled her. Started to read the Bible. She hadn't told her daughter that she'd done this. Quietly exploring Christianity. And I'd finish preaching often, uh, and I'd catch her at the door, and she'd come up to me, and she'd say, Ange, I know what it is. It's a difference. So what's the difference? It's grace, isn't it? I said, yes, it is. It's grace. We are saved by God's grace through faith alone, not by our works. Our works are an overflow of God's transforming work in us. Our works do not save us. Our religious observance does not save us. The grace of God in Christ saves us because Christ died for our sins. Every so I still see her. It's grace, isn't it? It's grace, isn't it? But we need to be praying that God opens up hearts to receive that gospel and to die happy in Jesus. We must call on God to extend his kingdom in the world. The Bible says in Matthew 6, Jesus teaching his disciples to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray that prayer, and pray the whole prayer, by the way, not just that part, but when you pray that part, you're praying that more and more people will submit to Jesus as King and Lord of the universe. His kingdom comes, his righteous rule comes in the lives of men and women, boys and girls. But I think I want you to be praying for that, but also that the gospel will run and triumph this year. For as many times we share the gospel and no one's getting saved. A few people are added here, people come from other churches and that type of thing, or we, we have more babies and we grow the church that way. Right? We talk about biological growth, just have more kids. Transfer growth, we're a larger church, we have more offerings for Bible studies, for kids ministry, for youth ministry, for young adults, and therefore people are attracted to us, that's transfer growth, that's not kingdom growth. And then there's conversion growth, 
where people hear the gospel come from outside. Now, our kids need to be converted as well. That's conversion. They're trying to reach those who do not normally associate with church, don't know Jesus. Paul says, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured just as it was with you. He's praying that as we take the gospel, it will spread rapidly. Or one of the expressions is to run and triumph. It's like, like you're in an amphitheater. There's a big races in the first century and runners are running and they're running so well, they're going to finish first in the finish line and the crowds are watching the runners run are applauding, right? I've been there. You've applauded the runners. I can still see Kathy Freeman at the Olympics in 2000 running. And the crowds rise and applaud, run and triumph. Go, Kathy, go, go, finish, get to the finish line. And the prayers like that pray that the gospel will so run that people will see its beauty. People will be attracted to the sacrificial death of Christ. They'll see the power of the resurrection of Jesus, the forgiveness of sins, reconciliation with God, the promise of eternal life. As they see the gospel and hear it, they'll applaud it and the gospel will triumph. Get the picture? Rapidly through our kids' ministry, rapidly through the youth ministry, rapidly through our schools' workers, rapidly through our missionaries, rapidly through our families' ministry and our playtime, rapidly through our Chinese Mandarin ministry, rapidly through craft or computer classes, that the gospel will spread rapidly in 2024. And let us call on God to save unbelievers. I love the heart of the Apostle Paul, Romans 10 verse 1. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for the Israelites is that they may be saved. The Gentiles are getting saved in Paul's time. His own people are rejecting the gospel. Right? It started with the Jews and it spread out to the Gentiles. He's like, Lord, I just pray that my own people, my own people will come to Jesus. Let me ask you, who are your people that you're praying for this year? Regularly, daily, who are your people? Who are your family people? Who are your friends? Who are your neighbours? Who are the, the people? If you work in an office, they're your people. If you're playing a soccer team or a netball team, they're your people. Pray that God will break into them. Maybe... An ethnic subculture, Indonesians, Egyptians, Greeks, Chinese, whatever it is, who are your people? John Piper, in his book, Let the Nations Be Glad, writes, God has given us prayer because Jesus has given us a mission. We are on this earth to press back the forces of darkness and we are given access to headquarters by prayer to advance this cause. When we try to turn it into a civilian intercom, to increase our conveniences. Lord, can I have a good parking spot? Have a slight increase in salary. When we try to turn it into civilian intercom to increase our conveniences, it stops working and our faith begins to falter. Begins to falter. We have so domesticated prayer that for many of us it is no longer what it was designed to be, a wartime walkie-talkie for the accomplishment of Christ's mission. We simply must seek for ourselves 
and for our people a wartime mentality. Otherwise, the biblical teaching about the urgency of prayer and the vigilance of prayer and the watching in prayer and the perseverance in prayer and the danger of abandoning prayer will make no sense and find no resonance in our hearts. Until we feel the desperation of a bombing raid or the thrill of a new strategic offensive for the gospel, we will not pray in the spirit of Jesus. But as we pray, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. When Jesus ascended into heaven, giving his disciples the great commission, he told them to wait. He said, I'm going to heaven, you guys wait. He wanted to make it clear that it would be his authority and his presence that would give success to the mission. He told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem until they were clothed with power from on high, Luke 24, verse 49. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They could not do this mission in their own strength. They would be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So what did they do after the ascension? Jesus goes back to heaven. They returned to Jerusalem and began an extended prayer meeting. That's what they did. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary and the mother of Jesus and with his brothers, Acts chapter 1, verse 14. And then the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples in Acts chapter 2. Peter preached a spirit-inspired message that saw the people cut to the heart, it says. They didn't ask for more contemporary or traditional music. They didn't ask for more comfortable pews. They didn't ask for a better morning tea or for a shorter or longer sermon. They were cut to the heart. When the Spirit of God takes the Word of God, that's why we take the Word, praying, people are cut to the heart. They think, wow, I've got to do something about this message. Friends, we're going to be praying that as we gather every Sunday and whenever anyone is preaching, that people are cut to the heart. Because maybe this morning you're not yet a believer here. And you're hearing about what really matters to God and is on the heart of God. We want you to come to know him. Catherine Booth, the mother of the Salvation Army, said while preaching at City Temple in London, the greatest want in this day is truth that cuts, convincing truth, truth that convicts and convinces the sinner and pulls off the bandages from his eyes. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people repented, placed their faith in Jesus and were baptised. And what did they do? You see, when you cut to the heart and you come to Jesus, what do you do? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the word of God, to the fellowship in community, to the breaking of bread, probably a reference to the Holy Communion, and to prayer. They knew they were saved by God's grace. It was the power of God at work. They recognized that they were cut to the heart. They just wanted to be with God's people. Let me say, will you pray for spirit-filled preaching in 2024? where people are cut to the heart and transformed by the spirit of the living God? Will you pray for spirit-filled home group leaders as they lead their groups in the study of the word? Will you pray that God would open up, up the hearts of men and women to respond to the word? If we want to see this happen, we must call out to God. So when will we call out to God? Well, in personal prayer, how long do you pray for daily? Five minutes? Ten? Or not at all? Twenty? If you set aside an hour for prayer, maybe once a week, alongside your normal prayers, 
Have you got a time and a place when you pray? Are you feeding on the word as you pray, letting the word of God speak to you? Are you pouring out your heart to God? In home Bible study groups, there must be a time, a good time for prayer in your home groups. Let me remind you of that. Don't just study and talk about your lives, but pray because you can talk for 20 minutes. Sometimes one minute of prayer, God can answer your problem that you've been worried about for 20 minutes. In accountability groups, prayer triplets, gather with others to pray, mentoring relationships. In ministry teams and committees, before you plan, call out to God. In church services, before services, after services. You get up in the morning and you're coming to church on Sunday, you need to be on your knees praying. I know you've got to get the kids organised and dress them and feed them. <laughs> I know it's hard it's, at certain stages of life. Or maybe the night before when you go to bed, I said, Ange needs a lot of help. Not doing too well in his preaching. Lord, will you help him tomorrow? <laughs> Lord, maybe it's such an anointing upon him, the Spirit of God works powerfully, and we just go away thinking, oh, God, he's glorious. And our prayer gatherings and various prayer gatherings we run. Friends, there's no best time, by the way. It's, every time is costly. We must do it. And finally, we need to face the heat through prayer. Just commenting on that uh, passage that was read to us in Acts chapter 4. I love the fact that Peter and John uh, were preaching the gospel. Someone is healed. They get arrested for it. Thrown into jail. Questioned about it. They're now before the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law. Filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter answers their questions, pointing them to Christ. The religious leaders commanded them not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threat, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. You can't stop us. Friends, our word to our society is you cannot stop us. Well, you might stop us in certain workplaces so we don't get sacked. There's appropriate places to share the gospel or not. We need to be smart and sensitive and obedient to our governing authorities up to a point. But we will not be silenced with the gospel. I remember years ago at Sydney University, uh, they tried to ban the Christian group, the EU group. It was in the news for, for, for ages. They were trying to ban it because they wouldn't allow non-Christians to join their, their, their group or their leadership team because they had standards on who would be on the leadership team. And the, the big council university tried to ban them, made the media, they changed it all, but they tried to silence the Christians on university campuses. Can you imagine on university campuses, the place of freedom and ideas and revolutions, Everyone else can have a word, but shut up. We'll shut those Christians down. We'll never not be silenced. We'll speak it with gentleness and love and sensitivity, but we will speak it. And sometimes with boldness, which may lead to imprisonment. And what did they do once they left, when they were released? They went to a prayer meeting. Because you know what their friends were doing? They were praying for them. The guys are in jail, so they've gathered. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. When they hear the report, they go straight to God. Sovereign Lord, 
they know who's in control of the world, right? Sovereign Lord. You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Yep, God, you're creator and you're sovereign, you're in control. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? They know the Old Testament. They know what the word of God says. The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather against the Lord and against his anointed one. Not only do they know their Old Testament, they know the gospel. They know that even with Jesus, enemies conspired against him. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. God, you're in charge. Hear them. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Didn't say, God, uh, consider their threats and just tell us where to go and hide. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were speaking was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They got the word of God, praying, filled with the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's how we serve Christ in 2024. You know, uh, missionaries are often threatened. They face opposition. I remember... uh, and uh, Ado's here today, and uh, when I went on a mission trip years ago to visit him in Southeast Asia, and we turned up, and his front door gates were locked. We said, what's going on? He said, they were threatened by enemies of the gospel on that island. And we just arrived with a short-term team thinking, well, this is nervy. <laughs> People were joked at us, going, oh, you're just going to a nice island for a bit of a holiday mission trip. Now we turn up, and our worker is threatened The gates are locked. We get in. What do we do? Any guesses? We pray. Of course we do. Okay, God, you're a sovereign Lord. You've brought us here. Our worker is here. Other believers are serving the gospel here. Protect. Guide. Enable us to do his work. God, help us not to be afraid. God, this is your gospel. This is your mission. God, we gathered and we prayed like never before. A little hint of opposition, a hint of persecution reminds us, friends, to live like many Christians do across the globe, in Nigeria and Kenya and Pakistan and India and parts of it, where persecution is rife. In the first century, they gathered and they prayed. In the 21st century, they gather and they pray. Friends, may God help us to take the word praying, fill with the Holy Spirit, that God might be glorified this year. Amen. Lord God, we thank you. Just the text in your word this morning that remind us and urge us, God, to come to you, to trust in you, to depend upon you, to acknowledge you as a sovereign Lord. And Lord, we pray for powerful outpouring of your spirit in the work that happens this year. We pray that the gospel will run in triumph as we go out in Jesus' name. As people come to us and we take the gospel to them, God, change lives, we pray. Gather worshippers, more and more worshippers, from Nawi and Riverwood and Hurstville and Wattle Grove and Kingsgrove and 
and Mortal and Menai and Illawong, wherever they come from, Lord, gather more and more worshippers who are cut to the heart and see your beauty and are saved. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.